Hello and welcome to the Nerdcaster Podcast. I'm your host, Joe, and joining me this week is Lori. Hello. And we're going to be talking about the great events at BlizzCon this past weekend, a full weekend of Overwatch, which is all I really gave a shit about. Yeah, we, we're not really going to cover all of BlizzCon because uh, we only... Give a shit about Overwatch. Well, not that we don't give a shit, just that we're paid, you know, it's a lot to pay attention to. You can't attend every uh, every session or... Um, not that we attended in person, we got the virtual ticket, which actually for what we what we uh, wanted to see, <laughs> yeah, for what we wanted to see, you actually didn't need that. Um, yeah, thank the, you, Blizzard. Yeah, the Overwatch World Cup is is uh, what we're interested in and looking forward to the new Overwatch League starting next year. That being said, I was a little bit pissed off. You tried to hide that from me too, and I I was asking because a couple of our friends were uh, you know uh, catching the the. The World Cup. The World Cup. And then um, all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second. I don't think, I didn't think that they got a virtual ticket. So I just like, oh, hey, like how are, how'd they end up doing it? And uh, you were like, well. Yeah. I, I kind of wanted the virtual ticket for other Overwatch stuff. I just didn't realize that the World Cup was going to take over like the whole thing. And to me, I'm looking to this Overwatch League and the Overwatch World Cup to be my NFL, my NHL, my new sport of choice to watch on TV. And it's like I now I have to not watch that to go and watch a panel. But that's what I wanted to see. Right, right. No, it's understandable. And but... I wish that Blizzard did it as like a paid event. Like, you know, look at UFC. Look at the NFL. Not even, not the NFL. Look at the UFC. Look at the WWE. You had to pay to watch their monthly uh uh, product or their their SummerSlam or or their it's whatever probably going to catch a lot of heat from other people out there who, want, who you know enjoy the fact that they can watch it for free and I and I do think for the most part like things like that should be free but maybe you know having a paid event but would... saying it's at BlizzCon say that part of it's free rather than having people buy a virtual ticket and then that part is free when that's all they want to see yeah I know I don't know it just sounds like we're just hardcore complaining right now because no, we're pretty salty over I'm not, dropping I, thirty bucks well but... or however much it was but yeah I'm not even really complaining about that what I'm saying is I would have loved to have seen some of the Overwatch panels um, on the virtual ticket but my primary objective was to watch the Overworld Overwatch World Cup not the Overworld World Cup because that don't make sense. <laughs> And now that I paid for this ticket, and now the Overwatch World Cup is taking up the entire time BlizzCon's going on, that that kind of sucks. I wish they they did this in the morning and then made this a three day event. Where today, this, this we're recording this on a, on the Sunday after BlizzCon, where today would be like the finals, and you only had the finals today, or maybe you had the third place and finals today, and BlizzCon is over. That might be something. I mean, we usually see at these conventions that they'll they'll adapt some of that stuff too. Because then you had you had a lot of people. These were all day events. Um, you had a lot of people in that arena um, all day long. And really, if you didn't, and there were still people like trying to get in there too. Of course, like this would be one of their main highlights is to is to to watch the World Cup finals. But mm-hmm. it does kind of take away from you know some of the other panels and people who want. You have to really pick and choose like what you want to see more. And, um, I mean, one thing, you know, we didn't catch any panels or anything, any extra content on that virtual ticket. Um, it kind of, it made that whole purchase really obsolete. Everything that we found out about BlizzCon, anything, a new Overwatch changes, which we are going to cover in a little bit. Um, we found on YouTube, like 10 minutes after these panels were released. And I, that's kind of, that's kind of nice too. But again, like I, I, in good faith kind of bought this ticket and said like, Hey, I'm going to. You know, I'm going to be able to catch some of this exclusive stuff, and you know, believe it, I was. We were going to, we were going to go to California 
if we were able to land ourselves some tickets to the actual event, which we're going to try next year. But if it's going to be anything like New York Comic Con and the mess it is to sign up for that, I don't have experience signing up for BlizzCon. But if it's going to be anything like that, maybe maybe we're just better off staying at home. <laughs> well, and I mean, that's the beauty of the virtual ticket. And I think we would have gotten, uh, um, we would have been able to see the panels live as they were seeing them there. And it would have been great. I would have had a good time even doing that. But again, the Overwatch World Cup was the entire thing, and I don't, I don't agree with with with, with that part of it. Like, I don't know. What, I mean, using two separate events, two completely separate events. It, well, I, I get having the finals at BlizzCon. Maybe they do the the third and fourth round in. The, well, I also maybe I can see why they did it. Traveling the, teams. Well, you also have the new arena, mm-hmm. but maybe if they did the the semis. And the uh, uh, and and the quarters like during the week leading up, they do that with Hearthstone and a few other um, things like StarCraft tournaments and stuff like that. Why not do it with Overwatch and then just have the the grand finals as like an actual panel versus making this thing the all day events? I this year I kind of probably see why they did it because this is the first year they opened that arena, so it's kind of to show it off during BlizzCon and and the big reveal or or whatever. I guess I don't. I mean I don't know, but. Hopefully this does change in the future and they find a way to section it off where you, if you do buy a virtual ticket, you can catch some of the panels and still be able to watch this. Yeah. If I remember correctly, they were going to try to do the semis on Friday, right? They did all four quarter fi- um, quarterfinals on Friday. They were going to try to fit the semis, but then kind of, I think it was the end of this, the quarters. They were like, there's, it was already like what, 10 o'clock. And they were like, uh, it was late, yeah. yeah, they were like, um, you know what? We're just going to actually, we're going to do four matches today, four matches tomorrow. And yeah, it worked out better in my opinion, but again, it did. But, it, but I think that the, that, that was also kind of the problem too. They didn't expect right. some of these matches to go the way that they did, um, or take as long as they did rather. But you, you these are the best teams in the whole world. You have to at least think they're going to be neck and neck, and these these rounds are going to take a little bit longer. Nobody's going to get really like truly like rolled in these matches. Well, let's let, let's get into this a little bit, and we'll start with the quarters, which were on Friday last Friday. Um, were these the best of the best, though? I mean, let's look at the the, the first match real quick. I'm not going to go too deep into this match. Honestly, it started. We're on the East Coast, so it started while. You know, we're we're in our day jobs, and it's not like I can stop what I'm doing to watch the Overworld. Over, God, I did it again. The Overwatch World Cup. I would have loved to, but you know, company policy prohibits uh, 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 watching TV while at work. But Sweden and the United Kingdom started things off. UK got rolled. Three zero done finished. I didn't get to see it, so I don't know if they even put up a fight for those. Th- three matches i, I don't... know you said that they um they they got in the quarters by the skin of their teeth the uk they were the last to actually make it into the uh the quarterfinals yeah so it was 2-0 on oasis sweden winning obviously new bonnie actually went 3-2 not too bad and then volskaya 2-1 again sweden taking the whole thing it, it had to be a quick match because i figured i'd be able to catch the end of it as i was uh leaving work didn't happen um so yeah that's I mean, I don't know what else to say about it, but other than uh, congrats to Sweden for making the semis. Then the next match, which I did catch some of on my way home from work, listening to it uh, via cell phone and Bluetooth, not so much watching it, but got to listen to a lot of commentating, was the China-France match. I felt this was actually not too... Uh, No, no, that's wrong. I'm wrong. I'm I'm wrong. You caught Canada and Australia. 
Oh, I, I was gonna say I made it home for the for the China yeah, versus my, France. That's right. That's right. My bad. Fuck. Let's back up. Let's rewind that a little bit. <laughs> so the Canada Australia match that did actually um, was was very entertaining to listen to. Made me give him a whole lot of respect. So to... entertaining that he does not remember which match he actually listened to. That is true. <laughs> well, shut up. <laughs> But back to the, right, I, I mean, I, again, I wasn't watching, so it's not like the team jerseys were embedded in my brain. I'm listening. Which, by the way, um, a really, really hot new feature um, about, you know, that they debuted with this World Cup with the new spectating features and the new broadcasting features um, in the developer update. Lovely, lovely Jeff Kaplan explained yeah. <laughs> these new changes that were going to make it easier for people to spectate on matches. Um, particularly with the World Cup, um, because their heavy focus on making Overwatch a very a top top esports event. I think they're doing these changes are awesome. The team uniforms—they all looked fantastic. Uh, the skins, amazing. I wish I could use some of those skins. Hopefully, I don't know if they'll ever release them. I highly doubt it. I don't think. So. I think that they will. I think that they will for like limited release. So probably for let's figure the next BlizzCon. They might make a special Overwatch event for the World Cup where you can earn these new skins or, um, you know, and you can choose your country. Like, you know, I don't think that they'll, they might not let you collect all the countries. This is the, you know, if I were a developer, this is what I would do. Um, make it an event, like, you know, make it like an exclusive loot box, um, you know, offering. I would, I would love to get the, the U.S. Uh, skated and make me feel like I'm part of the team for a little bit. But back to the Canada-Australia match. Um, like I said, I didn't really watch it. I was driving home. I do have a pretty long commute. The commentators, with how fast they speak, and again, I'm listening to it, so I hear it. I have a whole new level of respect for people like Monte Cristo and Doa and ZP and all of them. I mean, this is insane on how fast they're talking to give you the play-by-play and to try and keep up with everything. There's so much going on in these Overwatch battles that it's ins- literally insane is the, is the best word I can come up with. A whole... New level of respect, and the fact that they can name these these alts off the top of their head, and 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 the different things like um, I don't know the the, the pulse bomb, the attack uh, visor, attack visor, but not even the alts, but like using the blink and and the the uh, they're able the, to call out their moves, yeah, like as they're almost as they're doing them, as they're watching them, and um, you know they're. The commentators are definitely going to be the people that benefit the most from these new changes because it allows them to see what the hell's going on. Yeah, that, it moves so fast. That, like if you haven't caught a match, it it just it it moves incredibly fast. You have to follow everything that's going on. And and the 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 newest one I really like the replay is great. I like the replay because sometimes you know you're watching somebody and you're not seeing what actually happened with somebody else who used an ult. So that replay is a great feature that I think they introduced. Um, I think they need to work on when using the replay feature because now something else, I mean, they keep the game up in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, like the live feed and the show and the replay in the main screen, like a picture-in-picture thing. But that that screen is a little too small in the bottom right-hand corner and you're missing some of the action. So now, that, you know, I think they need to, to work on their their use of the replay a little better and when they show it. I actually didn't think that they did a bad job. Oh, they didn't do a bad job. And I I think this is part of the growing pains and and they'll get used to it. These are new tools they haven't used until now. But my favorite one and the one that I think I benefited from as a as somebody watching it is the the overhead view where I got to see where each of the players were when they were setting up before the match started or 
how they set up to, to engage. Like, I really like that. As somebody who plays and, and you know, I, I'm a newbie. I'm, I'm, I'm not good. But for somebody like me, it shows like, okay, uh, say I'm playing a Genji. Genji should set up in this area. That's how most of those teams were setting up. And you could see why. And I, I like the overhead feature helps me understand why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I really love that new feature. And I think that was used very well. I don't think it was used enough, though, in this World Cup. I think, well, it's kind of hard for, because you're missing a lot of the action in the overhead view, you know. And, you know, really, you got a lot of that when the teams were respawning. And, but yeah. that's a, when they were also showing the instant replays, is they're trying to do it when there's nothing going on in the maps. So it's like you have that little bit of trade-off. Like, how much overhead do you want? Like, you know, do they flip back and forth between that? Um, you know, something, a little bit of beef that I had with some of the broadcasting, um, and this is just because I play a support character, they heavy duty focused on, on all the DPS players, like on, on their, on their feeds and, 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 you know, watching them like kill people and, you know, they're trying to catch the dragon blades and the pulse bombs and all that other stuff, which I totally get. And I understand why they're focusing on them because you have the most action there, but as a support player, just like, let's see a little bit more support action on the feed like there was you know they did come you know the the players who were remaining zenyatta for the most part you saw um you saw a little bit of a lucio but you, not a lot of mercy action granted like oh it's not very exciting to watch because all you're doing is seeing her healing and rising and and rising or doing something like that but it's this is part of why i feel like oh, there are so many people solo queuing as dps because they're just so much more like i guess glory and it. it's not a lot of team um, action there because like yeah everyone focuses on the DPS what's the DPS doing how many kills do they get and I think that that's in part so, due to the fact that that's we, we sort of make these DPS players these big celebrities so is that why is that why um, you think a lot of people now are picking DPS because it's glorified do you think they glorify like you're saying they glorify that position Bigger than any other uh, role in the uh, Overwatch roster. I absolutely do. And I don't think it's a new thing either. So I don't think that people are only now picking it. I just think that the, the broadcasting stuff like kind of just furthered that thought, you know, that that whole why people pick DPS. Like, oh, it's more fun to play. Well, I actually think I have a lot of fun as playing a support. Um, I don't think it's a matter of being fun like or getting the eliminations. Yeah, it's satisfying to get eliminations, but... Again, like if there was a lot more, I guess, you know, quote, glory with playing support or tanks, then then people would pet them more. I really do think that. I think I think with a mercy um, using res at key times is huge. It can make or break a match. So I do agree. I think mercies and, and, and support characters should get a little more love. I understand that it's not the glorified people just want to see the kills. Um, but I mean, let's look at this scenario and this is something off the top of my head. I don't even know if this is, is something people plan for, but say you are a tank, you're, you're, you're a Reinhardt, your shield just goes down. You're on cooldown for everything. Do you take the death, have mercy res you, and now you have all your tools already at the available again? I think it depends. So it depends on that res, like how much utility you get out of it. Like, you know, resing, um, resing a Reinhardt whose shield broke is, you know, and has much higher health. To and like protect, protect the team. Well, not even just protecting the tracer because if tracer has a pulse bomb and you res the tracer and say like Zarya popped a gravitron and that that pulse bomb all of a sudden becomes like super K. But like say resing a Zarya, um, who doesn't have gravitron, you know, doesn't have her ult or anything like that. Um, you know, a lot less utility or resing. 
um, a Genji who, you know, who doesn't have Dragon Blade. It's kind of, it, it depends, you know, and that's where communication is going to be key. If you have three people who are dead, like, who are you going to res? Or if you're going to res at all, say that there's, you know, you're doing a 3v6 and all of a sudden, you know, you know, do you just say like, okay, we'll just back up. Don't res anybody. Save it for the next fight because there's no, 4v6 is still not going to work no matter how you res or who you res. Mm-hmm. It depends. So that's where communication is key. But, you know, anyway, this, this, um... Episodes not on game mechanics or anything like that. Especially but. from people who aren't pro players. No, we're only we're only you know observing and and, and uh, just um, hoping one day we see something close to the level of skill that we see out of all the teams. Even you know even if the UK got rolled by Sweden, um, Sweden had a really good showing. They ended up in third place. Um, We'll get there. You know, the Canada-Australia game was, um, you know, we caught the tail end of that on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will bring us to the China-France game, which we did actually finally get to see. Um, I don't know. I I watched this match. I thought it wasn't one of the more exciting ones. I I, I, I mean, it went, it went a full four rounds. One, two, three, four. Yeah. With, uh, obviously, France coming out on top. I don't know. Maybe... I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm not a fan of either of these two teams. So I, I, I didn't have an allegiance to who won this match or not. Mm-hmm. But oh, for Overwatch play, it was definitely great to watch. But, I mean, because I'm not rooting for them, it's like, eh, whatever. Well, I think if you're not rooting for a team, you can kind of, like, objectively watch look the at games it, yeah. and, and look at. And, and you, things aren't quite as high stakes. Um, but one thing about France was they had just said before the match even started, like, oh, they, you know, didn't get a lot of opportunity to practice because all the players are on pro teams. And the second they said that it was kind of like, are you already making excuses before the match even started? Were they making excuses I or mean, was they, it mind games? Mind, maybe. I mean, they won. And they, exactly. did, they did a good job. They did not. There was not really a point in time over China where France felt uncoordinated you know what i mean yeah they won three to one over china i I mean china obviously took a round and um the round uh that china took was the first one so it definitely looked like all right maybe maybe france is in for a little bit of a A little bit of a beating yeah no the rest of they had again they had a really decent showing and um they struggled i mean they they, they, it was it was back and forth i mean it was two to one china in in nepal uh four to three france over china nubani Two to one in Hanamura, and then six to five in Junkertown. So I mean, they put it was a it was a good fight. Um, I don't know. I just think that France was maybe playing mind games. I mean, uh, I, I I believe the France team was actually the rogue team at one time, and all the players were on rogue. So how do you not practice together? I don't know. Uh, again, it was it was a little bit it was a little bit strange for them to have said that. Um, and even still, like, is China? Is China if, if they, I don't know. If, if France was using that as a mind game, then, you know, would China even fall for it? It's kind of like one of, you know, to, you're going to cause China to underestimate them and, uh, you know, do what they will. I don't think they would have fell for it. I don't think it's a great mind game to play. I think France was trying to, you know, I don't think that they had, you know, I think that they did practice together. Maybe they didn't perform as, as great as they thought they were going to. And, um, 
you know, they were just already just kind of saying what they will, just, you know, so to prevent, I guess, embarrassing themselves. Or, again, they're just making an excuse for themselves in the event that they did lose because they have, like, that much, I guess, ego or pride or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it – so do then – if. if Say that is the case, that they didn't practice as much as they should have. Do you think that France just overcame, or do you think that China just underperformed under their expectations? Um, I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Like I said, the, the match was a hard-fought match. So, I mean, if France didn't, if France is rusty, I'm putting that in air quotes, because they didn't practice and they were able to overcome China, Maybe they were getting the dust off and they're just that much better than China. Mm-hmm. Or did, was China a little bit more relaxed and didn't perform like you said? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's a half dozen in one hand and whatever. I mean, I don't even know that stupid um, analogy that I'm trying to make, I guess. I have no idea what, what you're, you're saying. What, yeah, yeah I, I, don't, I do not know what you're saying. So, yeah, I don't honestly, I don't know if China underperformed or France overperformed or if France is just that much better than China. I don't. Um, and the reason I don't is because of the comments France made. Was it like, hey, we're getting the rust out against China, and now, boom, look at we're we're good enough to, to, to beat them and, and get to the next match? Who knows? Either way, I think you're right. France did come up with the excuse. Uh, basically, if they lost, it's like, oh, well, we lost. We didn't really practice. We'll get them next time. Attitude versus the U.S.'s attitude. Which brings us to our next quarterfinal match, where the U.S. was like, we got this. We're, we're going to be able to do well. We're going to beat the favorites, South Korea. Now, this is, I mean, th- this is the match we're going to be talking about the most uh, in this whole episode. Um, well, that's because this probably should have been the grand been finals. finals match. Which... And yeah, we're from the U.S. Allegiance aside, this was a, a nail-biting match. And even with the score the way it is, doesn't really sound like it with, with South Korea winning 3-1. to one. Those were hard-fought matches all the way. Nobody thought anybody was even going to take a stage away from South Korea. And the first team to play them takes one. That's, that's, uh, that, that's a win for the U.S. right there. It is a win, and not just, but, the, but the U.S. took the first two boards. Yeah. They took the first two, tied in, the, in Hanamura on assault. Which I thought was actually when things started to go poorly. For well, the US. actually, the U.S. took Nepal, mm-hmm. lost in Eichenwald three to oh, two. Oh, that's right. They they lost in Eichenwald, and then tied in Hanamura, lost in Watchpoint Gibraltar two to one, and then lost Oasis two to zero. I thought um, first of all, the U.S. in the in the very first control point um, in Nepal was they did an amazing job. They were even I think at the very end. Um, in the sanctum, they were just diving real deep and just like really demoralizing that um, South Korean team. Um, great showing. It, 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 they needed that push in the very beginning, I think, to continue. So the fact that they took the first board and that was really unexpected really was a huge win for the U.S. But um, they started to get a little sloppy. They got a little sloppy towards the end of Eichenwald because they got, I think, they got a little overconfident. And um, because they were they were they were doing really really well in Eichenwald in the beginning, and mm-hmm. then they just seemed to kind of they lost their coordination. They it looked like they were making a lot of mistakes. Um, same thing in Hanamura. In Hanamura, they did the same exact thing. They had they doing really really well in the beginning, and then again they started to make a lot of mistakes towards the end. Now that ended in a complete tie. 
But I felt the U.S. could have taken that They map. should have taken yeah. it. There was no reason for them not to. It, it, it was not even um, that South Korea won that board. The U.S. The US lost, lost that board. You know, and it, it, it's a shame because um, that was it, that I think was really crucial because then they just started to um, – Gibraltar was not a great match for the U.S. Honestly, that is the map I hate watching the most. And that's just a preference thing. I don't know what it is about Gibraltar. It's just not one of my, my favorites to watch but or even to play on. But uh, they did get one point on Gibraltar. They did, but um, you know, if if this is like a t- just a testament to um, Flower from the South Korea, his Jesus Widowmaker is was nasty. Is... That's nasty. Go ahead. Sorry. Anything the U.S. took from them in Nepal, like the South Koreans were just like nah in <laughs> Gibraltar. They were just, and I think that that's when when they really were. Um, just saying, you know what, we're, we're done messing around. Like, we're done messing around with you. We're going to take it. And that's what they started to do, I think, right after Hanamura. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and my favorite U.S. player was Rockus. I thought he did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, always got to support the supports. Voted for him on that <laughs> T-Mobile MVP, which I think XQC ended up winning anyway from Canada. But... Um, you know, on the whole, the U.S., they still did really well. This is, you know, we're picking apart their performance against the best team in the world. I, again, and but we're picking it apart, but at the same time, th- they did the best, in my opinion, against the best team in the world. And that, that's, that, to me, is insane that this was a quarterfinal match. It should have been a grand finals, and that's the way I'm treating this right now. The way It kind of felt like, okay, so obviously... Um, South Korea won and the U.S. got knocked out. It kind of made the semifinals a little bit like almost like anticlimactic, you know, because it's like the best matchup that you had. The best the two best teams are on that Friday night match um, kind of lessened uh, the impact of the semis and the grand finals later on. Um, well, speaking of that, let's move over to the semis then. We started with Sweden and Canada, which was, uh, in my opinion, the better of the two semi-matches. Uh, Canada beating Sweden 3-2. to two. Um, I At this point, I'm rooting for Canada now. Because uh, uh, otherwise, if you're not rooting for somebody... Why? Why continue why watching? Watch exactly. Yeah. So we gotta. You know, we're gonna we're gonna stick. We're gonna support the same continent. Um. <laughs> yeah. The NA represent. Yep. So, you know, Canada started out strong with a 2-0 win in Nepal, which which looked great. Uh, but then dropped the next two maps, 3-1 in Kings Row and 2-1 in Hanamura. Sweden looks like they're going to end up taking this map. With Canada obviously coming back with 3-2 in Gibraltar and 2-1 in Oasis. Um, again, like I said, this to me was the better of the, the two semis. Canada going down 2-1 in, in the first three maps. And then coming back in winning four to two or three to two, sorry. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed watching that semi better than I did. Uh, do you have any comments on this one? On Sweden versus Canada? Yeah. No, I mean, not really. I didn't, I haven't really followed. I didn't catch the first half of this match. Um, I think I was just taking a cat nap or I was snoozing a little bit, not doing my job. <laughs> but, um,. I, uh, yeah, so... Nothing to say about Mangachu or XQC? Not in that match, no. I mean, we really, I mean, I really watched them, you know, in, in their, in their quarter match and, and then, um, you know, and then, you know, of course their finals with, um, South Korea, but, 
Um, something I did notice is that, uh, you know, we had a lot of the teams like kind of look very similar to each other. So obviously like China and obviously South Korea, but then in Canada, you just had like all these players with bleach blonde hair. (laughs) And it was like, did you guys do that on purpose? Like that's part of your uniform or I'm not really sure what was going on there. I mean, they look really nice. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, wow. Yeah. They all look the same. Maybe maybe that's the new fashion in Canada. I don't know. With the eh? the bleached hair that's coming back. That's making a a resurgence. Maybe in Canada. I don't know. (laughs) Sorry. Um. (laughs) So back, back to the matches. Then we go to France and South Korea. And honestly, right from the beginning of this, South Korea wins Oasis 2-1, Nubani 4-3. Then the surprise, loses Hanamura to France. Now, I don't remember which commentator said it, but they they said earlier when the U.S. was playing South Korea that the the South Koreans are amazing on Hanamura. Now, for the U.S. to tie with them and then France in the next round to beat them, is is that really a good map for them? I mean, not saying they do bad on it. They probably, I mean, do they mean that? You know, just in comparison to, you know, like, say, you know, like Hollywood. Or, I'm sorry, that's okay, a hybrid I map. I, I see what no, you no, mean. No, no, no. Like Versus it, the other assault maps. Right, right, right. Um, Possibly. Um, if that's the case and the other teams knew it, was who who picked this map? I don't understand. That's another thing I don't understand is how the picking works. If you lose a map, do you get to pick the next map? Is that how that works? Or are these maps chosen at random with a coin toss in the beginning where whoever chooses the first map... Then the other team chooses the next two, and then that first team who won the coin toss picks the um, the, the tiebreaker map. Like, I don't understand how the map picking works, and it's funny because I did try to, to look this up, and I, I really can't find much. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong spots. I don't know, but if that was me and I was able to pick that assault map, and if South Korea is amazing on that, why wouldn't I try to pick Hollywood or something else? Right. I mean, I don't know. It could be that the, that's their best map, too. You know what I mean? Like, so despite the fact that they're really good, you know, it might be where they're going to make the best showing or they're going to make the best stand, like, despite all that. Or um, maybe they're hoping um, the other team has, like, a little bit of a false sense of security in their, you know, their prowess on that map. And so they're just going to try, like, maybe new approaches. Or I think it depends on how well they practice in those maps. And, mm-hmm. you know. Which brings then South Korea winning Gibraltar again. You can't, you can't how, compete how, against how do you, how do yeah, I was going to say, how do you, how do you compete against flower on a widow maker on that board? It, it, this dude, I don't understand how he didn't get, uh, um, the MVP XQC did great, but this kid's widow maker is nasty at 17 years old. The, I, I guarantee you we'll see him for the next few years, I'm sure. And he's only going to get better. So that's that's a scary thought. Well, something he's only seventeen, but he's got a couple of years of experience, you know, in esports, and you know, and yeah, but he can only get better, and he's so young, is what I'm saying. Well, they do say that your response time sort of drops off after like twenty one, twenty two. Like your response time on is just not as good or not as quick, um, and that's biology. So who <laughs> knows? You don't know. I don't. We'll we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. I mean, you're practicing this stuff every day. You you know. It's also exercising your response time, I guess, but I don't know. And, and that being said, does that mean at like 23 years old, you're retired from esports? Maybe, but you know, <laughs> if you're a professional esports player and you're able to make a salary like that as young as you are and then kind of go to college, you kind of set yourself up um, for this sort of like amazing, you know, life. You have all these people who are entering college at 17, 18 years old and, you know, going to get their higher education at this huge cost versus like maybe some of these esports players who are started really young 
making these incredible salaries. And yeah, maybe they're not expecting to do that their entire life, or maybe that they're, they're, they're able to do that, you know, without the expense of a horrible, you know, um, you know, student loans. Now that, you know, this is not to talk about economy, but yeah. like, it, I think it's amazing, honestly. And esports is only going to get bigger. Esports has just grown exponentially in the last, I'd say like 24 months. And it's only just going to get even bigger. I think we're going to see a huge surgence of this when the overwatch league starts. I mean, I, blizzard is pushing this hard. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how that goes. I can't wait for it, but moving on now. So we, we got South Korea over France. Canada over Sweden, which brings us to our third place match, Sweden and France, with Sweden taking third place. Is this because France didn't practice? Like, you know what I mean? Now we're back to that. But they made it to the third place match. They came in fourth. Mm -hmm. You came in fourth in the world without practicing. Congrats. You you, you did good if that's the case. I don't know. I kind of think they're making excuses. Just my opinion on it. Um... But whatever. Then, I mean, let's go over the details real quick. Um, with France taking Nepal 2-0, King's Row goes to Sweden 4-3. Again, hard-fought matches. Hanamore, they tie again, 2-2. Two two. Watch Point Gibraltar, Sweden takes 1-0. And Oasis 2-1, Sweden. Sweden over France, obviously. Um, again... Not really rooting for either one of these two teams. Kind of was on Sweden's side for this just because of the France excuses. But that that's about all I really have to say about this match. I've got equally nothing. Um, I was actually, you know, you know that's, that's not really anything. I was kind of rooting for France, I think. Really? Yeah, because it's like, why not? You know, they did pretty well. I thought they did really well against South Korea, all considering. Again, like, you know, they, um, you know, they took over China they, you know, did a, had a halfway decent showing with South Korea. I mean, you know, for someone who hasn't practiced and they still took a board from, you know, the Koreans, that's not bad. No, really, really, really not not bad. Um, now that again, begs the question, like, you know, how would have Sweden fared against South Korea? That would have been an interesting, that's, that's what I mean. I think I'd rather, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm rooting for Canada, so I kind of want Canada to beat Sweden, so that doesn't make this possible. It's just interesting. But I think I would have liked to have seen a, a South Korea-Sweden matchup as well. I think I would have rooted for Sweden in that match as well. But that brings us to the Grand Finals, with Canada getting defeated by South Korea 4-1. to one. Now, before I go into the match details, the fact that South Korea has dropped a game in every single one of their matches, and yet at the 2016 Overwatch World Cup, went undefeated the entire time. Does this show uh, their decline or the rise of other esports nations? You know what I'm saying? Like last year, only a year ago, they went undefeated. Still won, but undefeated. Now they drop a game in each one of their matches. They don't go undefeated in any of them. Like you, you well, some people when went. The, well, well, if you're on the top, the only way to go, the only way to go down. down. So, yeah. uh, but have other teams? What I'm saying found the weakest link, or or that 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 they're exploiting weaknesses. Yes. So, have they found the South Korean weaknesses? And granted, they're not. Um, they're very few and far between. Yeah, I think the only thing, the only weakness that that you can exploit at that point with the best team in the world is predictability. Mm-hmm. So. 
if you're winning this, you know, you went undefeated, you're obviously doing everything correctly. Now, if you have the other teams analyzing your performance and saying like, okay, well, this is what they're going to do because it worked so many times. I think that that would be a point where, yes, that you can exploit that because you fall into a pattern of predictability when everything you're doing is the correct way of doing it or it's meta or whatever Mm -hmm. the case is. So you saw Canada in that match break out a Torbjorn. Uh, Torbjorn made it to the grand finals match in the World Cup. Like, that is just... I don't think anyone expected that, you know. And I think that that had helped Canada gain a few, you know, gain, you know, in the in the uh, Nubani's escort, is it, or is that hybrid? No, it's hybrid. So you had Canada advance with the Torbjorn because it was unexpected. If Korea expected that move, I don't think that would, that, that it wouldn't have happened. That switch would not have happened. But the fact that it was unexpected and Canada tried to, you know, I think Canada had the right Mindset. mindset they had the right game now, plan now with that if they went a bastion instead of a torbjorn do you think that would have been better throwing the bastion on that payload i don't and i and the reason that i don't is because um i don't think that they only brought out that torbjorn for the turret but for the armor packs you know yeah, yeah. The, the south koreans were just out shooting them they were you know that extra armor is huge especially as a tracer player i love it when i when i can get an extra 50 percent health you know, so you've got kind of that, um, you know, that, that support right there. And, you know, it, it kind of, it, it, you know, so Torbjorn is a defense character while Symmetra is a support character. Now, they can fulfill a lot of the same functions. So um, it makes you wonder a little bit, you know, if, if the armor packs were going to be huge or, you know, and they had these little turret things. Granted, you know, Symmetra can only put up like her 10 little sentries and you know, they're really like localized and it's really hard to, you know, it, it's, you're not as mobile yeah, as you would be with a tour. Put, putting those on a payload uh, and having the, the other team come in and try to attack. They, they definitely do some damage. Maybe some, and now you're wasting somebody's time to take those out. Not necessarily. You got a junk rat on the other team and you take those out or a Farah. A Farah takes those sentries out. But it would seconds. be unexpected. They wouldn't, for that first push, they wouldn't have that until no. they had then a... Then you'd have to switch. Exactly. So the trade-off with the with those unexpected things, if you know they're not going to last in a fight, is um, just you, you don't get that ult charge. And, and that, that, that could be big. I mean, it definitely, I, I do like Canada's thinking here, going with the unexpected. Definitely putting some thoughts into the, the SK team. Um that have to think a little bit differently. Like what's Canada going to do next? Like now you got surprised with this Torb. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that yeah, as well. Canada really just did like a surprise bitch. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so uh, speaking of, of which let's break this down. Oasis went to uh, South Korea, two to one Kings row to South Korea, two to one Hanamura to South Korea, five to four Junkertown to Canada, three to two. And finally, Nubani, 5-4 to four to South Korea. Um, that being said, this was a best of seven, not a best of five. Yeah, this um, match was really, really long. And I know it was probably really frustrating for South Korea to go over the minimum required matches. Yeah, I definitely think South Korea really wanted to win this one. Um, lights out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just like, they kind of conceded that the U.S. was a great team. They didn't, you know, the fact that they lost to France, they lost the board to France, and then again to Canada, I, they probably didn't take it well. Um, and so, if anything, I think they're going to add that 
unpredictable element to their gameplay. I think they're going to do it, and it's going to make them even more devastating. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to watch the league for next year um, and see to see how they perform. And maybe we'll see some new meta come-ups. I would love to see meta change quite often to see different gameplays and different styles with, with other players, like seeing a Symmetra become meta or a... Uh, well, you saw that pirate ship come out on Junkertown. Which is where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. So you've seen an o- o- Orisa, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, put the the, the, sail, the sailboat, the pirate ship up with, with her shield. And then you had people playing a bastion behind it. A bastion, again, was not something that, that was, uh, in my opinion, I expected to see in this World Cup. Well, you saw this. You saw the Bastion. You saw the U.S. actually break out of Bastion in one of their um, qualifying matches. Yes, I don't remember who up against. Um, it might have been actually. I, I can't speculate because I want to say it was either Chinese Taipei or it was Brazil that they did it against. But it was on Hollywood, and the commentators had made um, they passed this great comment about it and saying like the other team breaking out of Bastion is them saying I am a much better team than you are now. Kind of because you don't see the Bastion come out. The Bastion's not mobile. That was also on a different patch, too. Different patch. Easier to kill. Um, But if you don't take out that Bastion right away, that Bastion can be really, really devastating. So if you have an entire team sort of protecting it, which you saw in Jungertown, you saw a lot of people investing the resources in protecting that turret because that turret will just wipe out a lot of team members in a very, very short amount of time. Um, Also eat shields. Yeah, a bastion will eat shields. So, I mean, running a bastion, uh, in my opinion, was a great call. Um, and you then saw a lot of teams doing it. A lot of teams are doing it. You saw it. that get broken out. And that's another thing. Seeing Junkertown, uh, they definitely play Junkertown different than they've play, played other payload boards. In, in my opinion, with all the open space in uh, uh, the Junkertown, um, just before you get to the first checkpoint, uh, you had the bastion, you had the Orisa. Again, you you haven't really seen much of, of them before this tournament. And by this tournament, I mean the quarterfinals and, and so on. Again, patch issues, uh, PTR, all that garbage aside, I'm glad to see this. I, I, I It made it interesting. Like, how are you going to use this? How, I want to see what they do. Um, seeing Junkertown as a payload board. Uh, was unexpected to me. I thought people were just going to go with the tried and true, what they've been using up to this point. So seeing them break out the Junkertown map was exciting for me. Um, again, watching them go back and forth, because one of the, the things on Junkertown, in my opinion, is that last turn before the end of the map uh, is the biggest choke point in the board. And watching them go back and forth, it's like you're there, but you ain't there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, made for some of the most exciting gameplay in this entire tournament, in my opinion. Yeah, the Jungertown maps were definitely very, very entertaining, and you just that the last choke point on that board is, is is it could really go either way. It's so tight, it is so competitive. You have so many deaths just, and if that's where you see the payload just completely stopped. Is right there. You could have five minutes left and not even be able to finish the board because yeah. that choke point is so nasty. It's it, it, it's it's pretty insane. You really don't see that kind of choke point um, in Dorado or Route sixty six. Um, they, they don't have it quite no, as difficult towards the, the end. The, well, not towards the end. The closest I could probably see is maybe Hollywood, just before was it uh, the first checkpoint. 
Uh, that last turn before there can get quite nasty too, where where the sign, the billboard is that you can come out from behind the billboard and stuff. That can get quite nasty there as well. And that's another thing we didn't see much Hollywood. I don't think we saw Hollywood at all. Well, Hollywood's a hybrid. But I'm just saying, as a map in, in general, we re- I don't think we saw Hollywood at all this this tournament uh, these these last few rounds, did we? No, you you really saw. Um, Eichenwald. Yeah, they saw Eichenwald and New we Bonnie. saw New Bonnie. Yeah. Um, Kings Row. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, I remember watching some of the qualifying matches, seeing Hollywood quite saw a lot of Hollywood as the first uh, hybrid match, you know, kind of being broken out. But, you know, again, interesting. I like the fact that we've seen all these different boards versus the same ones over and over and over again, um, even though I think it would every in every escort. Every escort board. Everybody used Junkertown. Maybe yeah. it was just for the variety and the sick of seeing the other boards or just the advantages I or think it's, new comps. I don't know if it's new comps. I think it has to do with a lot of, um, since it hasn't really been seen on, on attack or whatever, it's surprising to see what they do with it. Maybe catch the other team off guard because it's not a map that they've played each other on before. Who knows? But um, anything else to add to, to the World Cup aspect that you want to go over? No, I think that that pretty much will do it. Um, really, really exciting matchups. Um, you know, sorry, Sweden, I didn't catch too much of your gameplay because I was either snoozing or at work. Um, so maybe next year. I I don't doubt that we will see these teams again. So maybe, what are your predictions for World Cup? Well, you know, let's not 2018? Do, yeah, so instead of picking eight teams, let's, let's pick four. Who's going to make the semis next year? Who's going to make the semis? Um, I think it all goes by seeding in the quarters. But uh, I think we'll see Team U.S. Uh, only getting better from here out, um, especially with the Overwatch League coming out with how many U.S. teams there are in that. I think we're going to see a stronger team next year. Um, I see. I would like to see Canada be the wild card in the sense that they make it there by unpredictability versus overall brute force. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go with the two North America teams we saw this year, U.S. and Canada. South Korea is a given. And that final seat, um, maybe Sweden, maybe Sweden again, maybe France. I don't know. I, I would probably go with Sweden over France. In a semis match, I'd like to see the U.S. go up against Canada. And uh, ooh, that would be nasty. I'd like to see the U.S. go up against Canada and Sweden go up against Korea. South Korea. Yeah. Well, so what do you, are, would those be your four as well? Or those you... would be my four that I would um, that I'm going to think going to make it for next year again like you said it's going to depend on seating but it's going to depend on seating and, and what countries are um are putting money into esports for these events i mean like i don't know let's look at brazil i don't know what they're doing in esports i don't follow um their their esports scene but i mean if they they train people and people get up to speed who knows maybe we'll see them in there uh, or chinese type a who knows but that being said, congratulations to South Korea for winning it again this year. We'll see you. We'll see you next year. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us to the next segment I'd like to go over. The new Overwatch announcements at BlizzCon. We're getting a new hero. Moira, new yep. support character, which and as a support main. Love the fact that they keep adding more supports. I would like more on this, this woman's story. I like her character. I like how badass she is. I'm not too keen on her look. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. She, she, she kind of looks like a bird or something to me. Looks like a bird. She's got a, she got a pretty big nose. Yeah, but, she, um... she, 
but I mean, I want her to be like, not even a mad scientist, like disgustingly, scientifically gruesome, doing experiments on genetics and everything like that. What kind of weird shit did she do? What kind of um, ethical boundaries did she break? Like, I want to see her be a, uh, like one of the, like you look at Talon and you look at Blackwatch and she's like the most crazy out of all of them. Like she has some kind of psychotic problems. See, like, I don't like the whole psychotic um, take on people's care. I think it's a total cop out in, in character development. I think that someone who, you know, because it's, it's a common trope that you see in a lot of storytelling, like, you know, these people, they can't fully explain why they are the way they they are so it's just saying like oh well i'm insane and you know for her to maybe have a you know maybe she's on the spectrum of like you know being a sociopath because she she doesn't so she has a sort of lack of empathy when she comes to experimentation that's what I, I, but being on the spectrum not on like the complete other side of that spectrum just a little on that spectrum okay maybe psychotic or whatever is a, a bad word i just want her to have no empathy that that's what I'm talking about. Like you saw in the the little origin story they gave you, which I think they need to go more in de- depth with. Um, her working on Gabriel or or Reaper, and and they allude to that's how he becomes Reaper is through her experiment or whatnot. I would love to see that she didn't give a shit, and that's not what the outcome was supposed to be. And you go, eh, I fucked up. Oh well, at the cost of somebody's life or whatever. But even with that lack of empathy, like you see, I mean, you kind of without bringing like you know something completely different into it. But you see that in Sherlock, the show Sherlock, he's a he's a functioning sociopath, but he does good. So that makes the whole sociopath part of him really interesting because he still, without having this empathy or concern for other people, he still ends up doing the right thing. But he does have concern for people, John Watson. But you know, again, he's on a spectrum. Like being a sociopath doesn't mean that you either have empathy or loads of empathy and then you all of a sudden have none mm-hmm. um you know so i think that that makes that really interesting to have a bad character be a sociopath is just again it's just super super common i want them to you know have better villains like you have reaper you know his story he is a villain but he did once he once did well he wanted he was supposed to be the cap you know the commander of overwatch they chose soldier 76 over him to be the face of it because he had a you know he had a better face not physically better face but was a better fit in the public eye than gabriel was and so he ended up leading a black watch again someone who was more competent and better like a, was a better leader than soldier 76 or jack morrison was and he ended up going the bad way. That to me is really, really interesting because like, you know, if they had chosen him to be the head, would this whole Overwatch war have even started? You don't know that. But, you know, so that's why I think that these these villains need to, to have more dimension. And, and, and I think for me, Moira lacks that dimension with Widowmaker. She was once good. She was brainwashed. Yeah, that's a trope too. But she ended up killing her husband who was good. She was good. And it made it shocking that her, her you know, doing that whole turncoat thing. Um, I don't know if you agree with me or not. I just, again, with so far what I've seen of this character, she's just very one-dimensional. And oh, then Moira. Oh, Moira. Right now, I, again, I think there's more that they're going to do with her character. We're going to get introduced to more of her storyline, whether it's in the comics, a short, or whatever. We're, we're going to learn more about her. And I think they're going to give her more depth. I do believe that. I think this was just the first announcement to give the Overwatch community something during BlizzCon. Um just my thought on that. I mean, they also released some of her uh, her skins that they're coming out with, like the Glamrock skin, turning her into David Bowie. 
love to hear some of her music be like changes uh, or or some David Bowie background music. When they, it's, it's really funny too when they announced it, and um, the, you know you got to see what the legendary skin looked like, and they kept saying like, "Oh, it's our tribute to like seventies uh, glam, glam rock. rock," and it's like, "No, there was like one dude who dressed like that, like <laughs> really dressed like that, and they just didn't want to say it. And, like, why why not just say it? Give give give, uh, give my man David Bowie a tribute, yeah, give rest him in some peace. Tribute. You know exactly. Um, but yeah, it's whatever. Maybe maybe they don't want to people who don't like David Bowie be like, "Ah, fuck that! It's a David Bowie skin." I don't know. Whatever. I mean, I, I found her... Her gameplay is the thing that intrigues me most. Her skins were lackluster, in my opinion. I mean, the glam rock one is probably the, the biggest surprise one. Um, all the other ones, obviously, they're just going to change colors of the skin like they do pretty much with every other character. But, her gameplay is pretty interesting. So she heals, but she can't. she has a bucket, essentially, of... How much she can heal depending on how much damage she does. So she'll drain the life out of somebody. It fills her healing bucket so that she can then take the life that she drained and give it to somebody else. I think that aspect of the healing it, is really interesting. It's going to definitely require a lot of balancing from somebody who's playing her character because you can't heal if you don't have anything in the healing bucket. Mm-hmm. So you need to do damage. You have to. So you have to be able to play a 50-50% of, I don't want to say DPS, but some sort of backline character who can do some damage to fill that bucket back up quicker. It will fill up over time, but according to the Overwatch uh, developers, it's slow. I don't know what slow is yet. Slow probably means like you can, you might be able to top somebody off if you haven't dealt any damage, but other than that, you really can't expect it to really heal. And her heal per second is, uh, I believe they said it was better than mercy. Yeah. Better than mercy's, which is interesting too. Now, now she is sort of a combination of to me like with with her 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 alt beam um kind of resembling to me like you know Zarya's like you know beam um in her regular attack you have some components of Zenyatta with her orb abilities that's on cooldown and then you have um what is it so i said Zarya Oh, and you also have a little bit of a Symmetra thing to it because her attack does, like, you don't really need to aim with it. It's just like, or you don't need to heal, uh, aim with the heal either. It just kind of latches on to... It's like a beam. Yeah. Like like a Mercy type beam. Right. Yeah. So, but the biggest comparison people have been making is between her and Zenyatta because she has the healing and she has the destruction. Well, I want to talk about those orbs for a second. So, you get a choice when you use that ability. Do you want to use the healing orb on your team or do you want to use a destruction or... or um damage uh, uh, orb on the opposing team. Mm-hmm. You get a choice when you choose that ability. Then if it goes on cooldown, it's not like you can choose one and then immediately go for the second. Can't do it. You have to choose. That could be devastating if you choose the wrong one at the wrong time in a, a real match. I think you know what depends. I'm saying? I think, honestly, it depends on who's who's lower. So if you have two enemies hitting your team and um, they're very, very low in health, and we're just having trouble finishing them off, that orb could be very helpful for that. Especially since it does AOE, area damage. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you don't need to be dead on with that. You just need to get it close. Right. And it'll drain their ass. It'll drain their ass. And also, like, something to to not make it, like, terribly OP is that it does have a limit. So once it does, like, drain the maximum amount of damage that it can drain, it it goes away. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing with the healing orb. Yeah. Now, her alt is also really, really interesting. Something that people have been saying that they wanted to do, you know, sort of with Zenyatta. Um, so the fact that you have to, um, going back to, I'm sorry, her orbs, you have to choose if it's healing or if it's damage. Now, people have been saying, like, well, maybe, you know, because Transcendence, um, as Zenyatta's uh, ultimate, 
is like, okay, well, if you were able to choose between uh, transcendence and, you know, sort of this other one, say... Uh, that does damage in an area. Like if the uh, in the transcendence circle, if... If the other team was in it, it would do damage to them rather than heal your team. Right. Yeah. So, and that could be really, really devastating also. Maybe that, and maybe that would be incredibly opaque. So they, they won't do that. Um, but with Moira, her ultimate is a, this, this large beam that can go an incredible distance and it will heal, um, heal her allies and damage her, um, her enemies kind of the way, um, Anna's biotic grenade, you know, where, you know, it does, it provides healing to her allies and, you know, a little bit of damage and the inability to heal on the enemies. It takes that and kind of just multiplies it by 10, which that would be, that's going to definitely be a potentially devastating um, ultimate that would turn the tide, especially, I think, for me, on a control point or a payload, I could see that as being really really devastating the one thing i don't know if they mentioned it or maybe i missed it or i'm just not remembering can she control that beam or whenever she uses it it goes in a straight line and that's the only line it goes in or can she turn it and tilt it i think i saw that she can turn it okay because that that's definitely devastating if you can do something like that like with rocket barrage you can move around with farrah you don't have to just shoot in one area and that's it um that that's definitely devastating especially if you're on a payload close to the final point especially on like nubani you have them coming out of their, their spawn point right there. You pop that all while they're coming out of their spawn point and you're still moving that payload. It's hugely devastating. Um, other than anything else you want to add to her, I mean, that's pretty much her in, in a nutshell. Pretty much her. I'm going to Other than definitely... her fate ability is the only other ability she has that we haven't talked about. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, um, I mean, and that ability is really just kind of like a mix between uh, Reaper's race form and uh, tracer blank so yeah. take those two abilities combine it together she has one shot at just kind of as to me that's a great escape tool uh it's definitely a great escape tool or definitely something good to get around a corner wait for somebody to come around and then you know if they're low on health definitely take it you know i can see her camping by by health packs a lot and as soon as somebody turns that corner to go for the health pack she blasts them to get that last little bit of health and boom dead and I think the fate ability will definitely help hide her to do something similar to that. As a Zenyatta main, like for another support character to have like an extreme like amount of mobility kind of pisses me off because again, Zenyatta is so slow and just can't escape from anything. And, you know, it can only escape to like protection from another team member if you're close enough. But, um, you know, definitely something I'm going to be looking out for and going to be playing her when she's released. Okay. Um, we talked about her skins. We talked about her moves. They also released a new Overwatch map called Blizzard World. Um, I don't know. Something about this map tells me it's going to be an in-game advertisement for all other Blizzard games. Well, they pretty much said that there's going to be loads of Easter eggs everywhere about, you know, kind of like the Route 60. There's a lot of Easter eggs in a lot of the boards, but they're just going to be, I think, focused in on this one. I, I agree. I also love, but the one thing I do love about this board, I love the fact that you're trying to get through a theme park on a hybrid map so it's obviously going to be a payload you have to move plus the point you have to take before moving the payload um glad to see a new hybrid map uh definitely like to see new maps to give teams more of an ability of uh choice you know tired of seeing the same old maps when there's only so little um i I can't wait for this this is probably other than the the new character uh i want to play on the map i can't wait for the map 
So, I mean, there's not much I can say about it without having actually really played it. I have seen some of the Moira stuff uh, gameplay on this map. And, I mean, it looks really cool. Like, there's there looks like an Easter egg to the old Jaws ride at Universal. Um, again, I'm watching more of the Moira gameplay than I was the map. So, curious to see uh, what this map has to offer and, and, and um, how, how, you know, where the choke points are going to be. I, I can't wait for it. I can't wait to play on a new map. I, I was excited when Junkertown came out. Now I'm excited for this. Anything you want to add to the map? No, There's not much think, to really talk about. I really about just it. think it's meh, actually. I, yeah. I really wasn't impressed by it at all. I, I, I kind of looked at it and, like, you have these, like, little... I, I, I guess it's cool. I, you know, it's but a theme park. I like the theme park. I, I like it, too. It's kitschy. I get it. But I don't yeah. know. I just wasn't... I just kind of saw it and saw it and just said, like, I don't think it's as nice as as what they did with Junkertown. Maybe I just haven't seen enough of it, but um, who knows? I, I might change my mind when it comes out and when we're actually playing on it. I don't think, you know, I'm not giving it a fair assessment, but my first look was kind of that it was just okay. Okay. And other than that, the only other things, uh, at least till this point, that they've released is some new skins for some of the characters that are already out there. Um, an immortal skin for Orisa. Um Barbarian skin for Zarya, which all these skins look pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm happy with them. None from for for a tracer or anything like that. The the Reinhardt skin, based on the uh, the new Reinhardt the, short, the new Reinhardt short that just came out. That that's probably my favorite one. Um, what are some of the other ones? The Orisa, the Barbarian. Oh, there's Zarya. one for Torbjorn. Oh, the Torbjorn Gingerbeard one or whatever they're calling. And the, these these skins are are uh, new legendary skins. And they're all based on other um, Blizzard games. Doomfist has the Blackhand um, skin, which makes him kind of look crazy. It's a it's a Diablo uh, tribute skin. The Widowmaker skin. The Widowmaker skin is probably my favorite. Uh, they gave her blonde hair. Um, the Nova skin, it's called. Um, and I don't remember what Blizzard game that's from. But again, the only Blizzard game I, I play is Overwatch. I want to say it's Starcraft, but don't quote me on it, that. It's possible. So, I mean, these new skins are great, but again, they're, they're skins. I mean, um, I want them. I want to use them. Uh, I think they look great, but there's not real much to, to say about them because they're skins. There's no functionality they don't add to the character other than changing their appearance. They're still awesome, though. Yeah. Uh, it's, in fact, the reason I want loot boxes is for skins primarily. Um, other than that, that's pretty much all the updates on Overwatch uh, at BlizzCon 2017. Do you have anything else to add? No, I think that that pretty much does it for us. And that'll do it for Nerdcaster. Um, that being said, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Nerdcaster, at Nerdcaster on Instagram, at Nerd underscore Caster on Twitter. Um, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, your favorite podcast directory. Um, same things I say every week. Just, just do them if you haven't. Do them, please. It definitely helps us out. Uh, anything else to add before we close this? Well... Um, our next episode that we're going to be recording is will be a review on Thor 3, a movie that came out this weekend. Uh, too much to cover, I think, in a single episode. So that'll be its own episode that we'll be releasing within a couple of days after this one. So be on the lookout for that if you're into um, if you're into Overwatch and you're into Marvel. So um, that's something you can look forward to this week as well. All right. You got any plugs you want to do? Nope. All right. That'll do it for Nerdcaster. Nerdcaster out.